In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 in to your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Walker Bueller makes his return. The new dad, Walker Bueller, by the way, pitchers and catchers for the LA Dodgers report today. So we've got a good bit of stuff to talk about with him. Also, top 10 second baseman in Major League Baseball for 2024. I've got something not baseball related, not sports related. And I want to grill you on something sports related off the top. By the way, Gary Sanchez signed with the Brewers. Just baseball show for Friday, February 9th. Jack, Peter. Where are you guys right now, Aria, on behalf of? BetMGM, the king of sports books. Can we use the code just baseball and get some free money? I mean, what are we talking about here? Bet $5 on any standard odds. Minus 110, not 10 bucks, not 20, 5 bucks. And you will get $158 loaded into your account in bonus bets. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. And yeah, BetMGM has put us up at the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Somehow a baseball company got credentials at Radio Row for the Super Bowl. I'm just a baseball guy. We're baseball guys walking around. But I do have to just thank the listeners of the Just Baseball Show again, because, you know, throughout every milestone that we get to, we wouldn't have been able to get there if it wasn't for all of you. So just want to extend that thank you. And you guys have all changed our lives. It sounds like a cliche, but it is an absolute fact. The listeners of this show, with all of their support, have changed our lives. It's true, but you're soft as hell, bro. Don't say I'm that. soft stuff. as hell, but I love our people. <laughs> yeah. And I also love Blackjack. Did you see the ham that I was hitting? 
Yeah, I saw I saw the uh, the dollar amount on the chips, and like, here's the thing, man. You can sit at a high roller table. I like I'm sure you can, right? One of those like high limit. No. You could go into the high limit room. No, I mean the high limit room. I mean I'm not dropping you know five thousand dollars a hand. That's okay. not what I'm on. Like, Got you. could I get in there and make a fool of myself? And like, would they allow me in there? Probably. So, but my do I thing consider? Is like, do I consider myself a high roller? Absolutely not. So my thing is the main floor, um, almost shuns me because I'm like, really a five dollar minimum? Like, can I? go down to two are there exemptions like can i fill out a form or something and i think you and i are very different when we get on a casino floor but uh, i'm very happy that you are in vegas you did a social hit for our friends at bet mgm and you were asked a would you rather question would oh, you rather get that yeah i heard would you rather get the apple vision pro the the, the new goggles that are going crazy or a jacket designed by Kristen Juszczyk, who designed that Kelsey jacket for Taylor Swift. And I saw Taylor Lautner got a Hutchinson jacket and they're, and they're sick. And you chose the fucking goggles, dude. Of course I would choose the goggles. I have plenty of jackets. It's very, they're very nice. They're customizable. You know, they look comfortable. Taylor Swift was wearing one. Good for everybody. I'm not a Taylor Swift guy. Not a Swifty. Me neither. I care about the like... jackets. I want the VR system. Of course I do. Of course I do. Why would I want a jacket? Why would you want a jacket? And it's so funny because I'm walking with um, our editor, Will Cohen, and our head of partnerships, Colby Olson. And they also chirp me for that exact question. They're like, how would you take the goggles over a customized jacket? And I'm like, am I alone on an island here? Yes. Let us know in the YouTube comments. Would you rather have the Apple Pro Vision goggles, which are going for like $4,000 3500 $3,500. Tax. There's taxes. <laughs> sure. There's taxes. I've looked okay. it up. It's like four grand. <laughs> or a customized Christian use check jacket. The I want the jacket. I bet you do. It doesn't surprise me that you want the jacket. So I was at my favorite place in the world this morning. Last thing before we get to Walker, I was at the Department of Motor Vehicles. I have to renew my license. And I took I took a written test. Like you have to take a written test in the state of Illinois when you want to renew your license and Um, I got really nervous. Like you can, it's a 35 question test. You can fail six or you can fail six questions. But if you fail a seventh question, like you have to come back and it's like, you're a moron. You don't know the rules of the road. I missed two of the first three and I went into panic mode. And then I just went on a hot stretch like crazy. But my overwhelming takeaway from the DMV, and I always have this thought, Jesse White was the previous secretary of state in Illinois. Now it's Alexi Janulius. And his name is everywhere in that building. Like he, his name doesn't need to be anywhere. I don't deal with Alexi Janulius in any form or fashion, but like every employee has his name embroidered on their vest. It's, it's bizarre to me. Is that the case in California too, or no? I don't think so. I mean, I haven't been in a DMV. I feel like in years, especially I live in New York now you don't and drive. I don't drive anyway. So it's like, I haven't been in a DMV, but arguably the DMV is one of the worst places on planet earth. I love like, it's the like DMV. hell. Then it's the DMV. And then everybody else is on top. It's like in Moneyball, where it's like, there's the good teams. There's the bad teams. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. That's like the Oakland A's and the DMV. And I would put the Oakland A's way above the DMV. 
Man, see, I enjoy the DMV. Everybody is so bubbly and kind. You would in there. join the DMV. <laughs> I, I feel like you're being sarcastic, but I feel like you didn't mind it. Like you're I'm the guy who's sarcastic. like, you know what I'm I learning. hate the DMV. <laughs> Although I did have a pleasant experience this morning. Uh, that's it. I do. Top you. ten second baseman after Walker Bueller. Uh, but now let's talk to Walker. Yeah. There are a bunch of different places that we can start with Walker Bueller. It's been like three weeks. He's drinking red wine instead of bourbon, which is weird. Uh, we could also talk about him being a dad. We could talk about Clayton Kershaw coming back. We could talk about pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, did you see Boyan Bogdanovich got traded to the Knicks? How do you think that kind of affects their spacing offensively? Um, I have a very, very low investment level in the NBA, personally. <laughs> How's dad life, man? Is it good? Yeah, things are good. Uh, baby and mom are healthy. and Little Finley was seven pounds, two ounces. So everybody's good. Have you done any training post baby? Like, do you feel the dad strength? Like, you know, you're sitting 97. Is it? Uh, no, I think it's kind of a slow burn, but we're hoping it'll get here before opening day. So I was thinking you would just wake up and you'd be like, man, I feel the urge to like put both hands on my stomach right away in the morning. Yeah. It's like, mm, make deep breath and like grunt when you get out of bed, that kind of thing, but uh -huh. nothing yet. No, you know, the, the typical soreness is still there. The strength isn't there. So um, you know, you got to go through the struggles, I suppose, to get the uh, to get the dad straight. Yeah, you're already getting soft on us, right? Going from bourbon to red wine, you get a baby, and now you're just you know sipping away. Yeah, I don't have my normal Buffalo Trace supply. Um, so I'm working on that. I've I've already contacted some people to get my my spring training set, kind of you know ready to roll. But uh, you know, you work with what you got. Costco's got a good little wine selection, so we went there. I love it. You guys are the first to report. Are you not? Like we're talking, this is going to air on Friday the 9th. Pitchers and catchers for the LA Dodgers report on Friday the 9th. I don't think anybody else is reporting until at least the 12th. Do you guys beat everybody? Uh, I imagine San Diego is close behind just because okay. we're playing them in Korea. So I don't know if they reported today or, or whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting one. We're like four or five days ahead of everyone. Are the butterflies back? Sorry to cut For you what? off. Are the are the butterflies back? Of like, oh shit, I'm I'm going to Camelback. Like I'm ready to go play baseball. This is the pitchers and catchers report day. Um, I wouldn't say butterflies. You know, having been there kind of every day of last year is is kind of probably taking the uh, the shimmer off of Camelback Ranch for me. I think any guy that's been there for any meaningful amount of time will tell you that. But um no i mean you can definitely feel there's a little different kind of energy there and, and obviously the the media contingent following our you know some of our new additions is obviously big and and um i, I really am not being like in your face but in a way like you feel them right so um yeah it was cool it's a little different different than usual i think Every guy that's played for a while can tell you there's like a little bit of status quo that goes into spring training and and this offseason has been anything but that. And and so um yeah, it's been a, it was a little different there today. Yeah, it's not every offseason you get a fan fest with thirty five thousand people. Did you maybe right. feel a little bit of butterflies in there just thinking to yourself, we are kind of like the Beatles here. I mean, I'm reading stories about Otani surrounded by like 30 security guards and it's and you guys are going to korea i mean you guys are touring right now or you're about to <laughs> yeah th no that trip is going to be 
pretty pretty wild for all the guys that go. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be one of them, but that kind of is what it is. So, um, but definitely, I, you know, we got a lot of questions at FanFest about is this good for the game in terms of our spending and and obviously having <clears throat> dealt with the union and, and all that stuff for me. This is kind of what we wanted out of the CBA, right? It is a lot of these guys to to really get paid, and then you you layer on top kind of Otani, who we we know is pretty generational, and and then the you know I guess the expectation. I, I haven't seen Yamamoto throw and, and do all that stuff. You know, we we're kind of see each other in passing stuff today, but um, you know he's perceived as as kind of generational from Japan, so. Um, you know, I just don't think it's it happens that often that you get two players of, of that caliber in the same class when we're in the right place financially and, and you know, a lot lined up, I guess. But at the end of the day, like we really like our team and, and that clubhouse has got a lot of talent in it. I, I just have one question about the question that you were asked that is the spending bad for baseball. I'm sure Jack was about to say the same thing. I just think that question is so stupid because like a guy like Brian, Acuna Jr. or Ozzy Albies signs an extension and it's less than a hundred million dollars. And then you read comment sections and it's like, you know, the teams are taking advantage of these players, right? That they're not getting paid enough. They should get paid more. And then on the flip side, you get a guy who's getting paid a ton. It's like, well, this is bad for the league. It's just like someone always has a problem with something. How is getting players paid and getting paid at market value, right? The market develops. How could that possibly be bad for the game? So when someone asks you that question, do you just kind of brush it off? Like I, I, I'd probably be the bad guy. I'd be like, that's a dumb question. Like, of course yeah. it's not. Um, well, you, you know, I think the kind of going by everyone got some sort of bad rap with the Yankees in the early 2000s, right? And yeah. and kind of every elite free agent was kind of perceived to be going there and whatnot. And, you know, I, I guess that paradigm has kind of shifted in, into – that perception, I, I guess, is really skewed towards us in some way, at least for the past few months. And, um, you know, I think the in-between of that is the Bobby Witt contract, right? It, it's this really fair market value pre-free agency. And, and you know, I think if you think back a couple of years before the the latest CBA, right, like these pre-ARB or pre-free agency deals never would have had a 200 on them, right? But now we've had Wit Julio Rodriguez got a pretty close to fair market deal. Yeah, you just see it kind of happening a little bit differently than it may have before, and um, I, I definitely think that's good for the game. I think in a lot of ways, it's even better for the game because you're getting players that are getting paid earlier, market value, to where this perception of the horrible contract or the team draining contract it is seemingly becoming less and less, right? So it's kind of both sides of the market meeting in a more um, sensible place. A thing that, you know, you're getting a lot of guys that are making real money when they're putting up six, seven, eight war seasons, as opposed to doing all that and hoping for a reward on the back end, which is interesting because we're getting, we have the reigning Cy Young winner still, still a free agent, right? So it's happening in some teams and and hopefully more and more teams will start seeing it the way that that these teams are spending money see it but um you know i don't think anyone saw the kansas city royals spending you know what could be what is it 350 if everything goes great so 
you know, you're seeing some progress and, you know, Cincinnati's gone out and signed some guys and, and these smaller markets are kind of realizing that you can go, you know, dollar for dollar and, and look through what marketing and social media and on field, obviously, and all this stuff and the value that is created and, and they're getting a little less penny, you know, penny pinching, I guess. That, that's the other thing that I was going to bring up. It's like that question answers itself when you ask it in the context that it was asked at, like you were asked if it was good for the game at a fan fest that had 35,000 people at it. So it is the right, field of exactly. dreams thing. It is like, it's, Oh, if you build it, they will come. It's like, okay, well we have 35 K at our fan fest. Like no. it's clearly good for the game. The Padres, they spent a bunch of money on, on Xander Bogarts and guess what? Like, they fill up Petco for their fan fest last year. Did it go according to plan? Yeah. No, but guess what? They sold out all the time before the all-star yeah. break. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't really know another business that would be comparable to it, but you know, if the Apple iPhone wasn't marketed well, right. People wouldn't have gone and bought it in droves, right? Like there is an element of signing players as a marketing thing and, and getting marketable players. And um, you know, I remember when I was going through the draft, out of high school, I talked to, I was talking to a Red Sox front office guy, I forget, maybe the scouting direct, something like that. And I asked, we were watching a Red Sox game and uh, I asked him about Dice K. Yeah. And I remember him saying that contract was paid off the moment we signed it. And mm -hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, listen, from Jersey sales to TV deals to increased fans to Japan turning, you know, tuning into our games instead of another game. He's like, we've already made all that money. So, you know, I, that was years and years ago, right? But that idea has been around for a long time. You've seen it in the NFL when you go sign up an older veteran wide receiver that sells jerseys, right? When he's really the three on the team. Like, th this stuff is not new. It's just in our game, the the schedule for guys getting paid has always been a little skewed in terms of when that marketing plus great player has always kind of it's it hasn't always lined up yeah. and we talk about these teams that yeah are small markets right maybe they're you know in cities that are not new york or los angeles but at the end of the day they're all billionaires <laughs> they yeah. all could spend the money right the orioles are on the precipice i guess of selling it's not official yet but they sold for about 1.725 billion or whatever and the new guys coming in are private equity guys, right? A lot of these teams have private equity guys in their ownership groups, but some decide to spend hundreds of million dollars on their team to make them better, and some don't, right? Yep. So if the owner, if the owner of whatever team is worth $10 billion, yeah, it's in a smaller city, but they realistically could spend all the money. And there's a reason that billionaires are investing in Major League Baseball. It's because it's a good business. John Fisher of the Oakland A's, would spend money on the Oakland A's. He chooses yeah. not to. So it's like, don't get mad at other owners because they're spending the money and going along with the market, right? So yeah. that's why I always have a problem with small market teams. It's like, yes, in some cases, but in most cases, it's the billionaire owner collecting his profits and not reinvesting those profits back into the team. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at, you know, some of these, there's very few left, but at one point it was largely family owned yeah. teams, right? Mm -hmm. Teams own families for generations and, and whatnot. 
But if you look at Cincinnati Bengals, for example, right? Been owned by the same family forever. They get everything falls their way. They have two star receivers and one of the best quarterbacks in football. Like they pay the quarterback. Like that wasn't happening largely in baseball for a long time. When you yeah. draft a guy, develop him, he proves he's generational, and then he has to go somewhere else, right? Like that stuff isn't happening as frequently now. You look at Bobby Witt, he's probably the closest comp to that in terms of city market size, blah, blah, blah type of player. And, and that guy gets paid and stays in Kansas city, right? Like that's how this stuff is supposed to work. We've seen it with Clayton in LA. Like yeah, we all talked about like, Oh, would you want to play for one team your whole career? Like everyone wants that because that represents that everything went good enough at the right time in our game that somehow when you're a free agent, the team still wanted you that bad, even though they've had you in your great years, you know, like there's so much that goes into that, that that's why there's so much allure for guys to play for one team is because that means that every point along the way, you check the box. Yeah. That's why that's got gravity, you know, something to it. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I, you know, I think it's cool to see. I think there's still some stuff to be cleaned up in, in terms of, you know, I think every, CBA, you know, I think people probably underestimate how important the CBA is just because it kind of sets the tone. I think a lot of people think it largely is like, you know, um, instruction manual, right? And you can figure it out. It's it's not really like that. It dictates a lot for our our game and for our teams. But, um, yeah, I think what was interesting that you said, Peter, is like, it used to be billionaires and families, and now it's private equity guys that are looking for the most vulnerable businesses to make them money, right? And they're all flocking to owning major league baseball teams, right? Like even this boom of of players getting paid, like they're still going to make the most money doing this. Like Jack, before you your next question, like yeah. the Kansas City Royals, right? They're this small market team. I'm in Las Vegas right now where the Kansas City Chiefs have made the Super Bowl like every single year and they paid Patrick Mahomes about $450 million. I have been to Kansas City. It's a beautiful city. Like even to call it small market is like insulting to the people of Kansas City, but it's the owner. And he decides, now we decided to spend on Bobby Witt Jr. Should probably yep. spend on Vinny P. Should probably spend on Colt Reagans. And I'm already saying Colt Reagans, I am. Yeah, that's like, it's too it's like these sample. owners could if they... They would if they could. It's like when you have your, like, you know, those viral, you know, Instagram posts, Twitter or whatever about a girlfriend being like he would. Or what is it? It's like he would if he could. What is it? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Walker, do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Stuff to watch, but it's okay. You're in Vegas. We understand. (laughs) I'm in Vegas. Just fell on your face with that one, man. Um, I'm going to look it up. (laughs) You kind of transitioned to to the Kershaw thing, but – I want to get into the Kershaw thing, and I almost want to do it as like a question about you and a question about Kershaw. Obviously, the Dodgers are bringing Clayton Kershaw back. Kershaw is going to be out through right around the All-Star break, it seems. He's going to gear up for a postseason run. We saw a report about you that, you know, Dave Roberts said you're probably not going to be on the opening day roster. They're clearly going to like backload it to the point where you can give them a ton of good innings in October. So, you and Kershaw are going to be in a similar spot at a similar time come late September, early October. 
does that like get your juices flowing just as a competitor, knowing that you've got maybe the greatest left-handed arm of all time kind of synced up with you? And it's like, hey, we're going to make sure we're both 100% for this October run. Yeah, I mean, I th I think obviously I'm gonna I'll be back. Yeah, meaningfully, like a meaningful amount of time before he will. Um, but both of us coming off of surgeries and blah blah blah, like, you know, I think what's f cool for me or fun for me is like I've never played without him, right? Like he's never not been on the team when I've been in the big leagues, and um, you know, this is his first kind of surgery, first major health thing that hasn't been able to be resolved pretty you know simply right and so you know we, we've dealt with three or four years now of not knowing if he's coming back not knowing if he's going to texas on a one year blah 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 and and so you know when he he signs on a a two-year essentially because he's got a player option um it's interesting i haven't felt like you know every year i kind of feel like oh this is probably the last year that i'll get to play with him and this this surgery and him not being back for a full year, but him being back and having an option, like there's some optimism to it. And, and you know, obviously with what we've done this offseason, like I don't think it was super difficult. I, I know he always has a tough time. Oh, I could be around my family more in Texas and my family wouldn't have to move to L.A. and, and whatever, but uh, which are which is valid, right? Like the guy doesn't. You know, he's done enough in, in the game that it doesn't have to dictate everything that he does like it does largely for everyone else. And sure. um, but it is cool that there's a, a player option and there's something already out there that he could be back next year. And and that he obviously wanted to be a part of of what we're doing this year and, and what we've done front office wise. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we're all excited and, and kind of expected him to be back, but um yeah it's a it's a interesting scenario but obviously a, a big positive to have him back so the term i was looking for is if he wanted to he would and that means Never like if that. he wanted to bring the girlfriend flowers he would and it's about treating your girlfriend the is, right this, is this from like a ariana grande song or something did you say uh, ariana Grande? Grande. you say the e at the end <laughs> ariana grande whatever not where i'm from yeah not where you're from um Clayton Kershaw, the thing that, you know, I've always, you know, had a problem with is that, like, people take recency bias, you know, if he struggles in the playoffs and, like, people forget. Over the last 258 innings, Arm tweeted this out, 237 ERA. I mean, he almost is forgot. <laughs> one of the greatest pitchers in the history yep. of Major League Baseball. And by all accounts, I mean, you've told us himself, like, arguably a better person, right? Yeah. So to just have him in the locker room, I like how Jack asked it, like how high are the juices? Like the juices must be unreal because he brings way more than just what he's going to bring to the mound, right? A guy like Clayton Kershaw, especially with guys like Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan, you got a lot of young pitchers on the staff too. He's like invaluable. He's worth the money if he never throws an inning this season, but yeah. he probably will, right? right? So I just, I'm just asking you, I guess when, when you're, when it's not your bump day, Right. And it's not even Kershaw's bump day. Like, do you have any stories of Clayton Kershaw meshing with young guys? Maybe it's not you, maybe it is you. Just any stories in the dugout? Um, no, I, I mean, probably my favorite story 
Uh, we went to a team dinner in 21 in San Fran in the playoffs. And I set up the dinner. I just, my wife was setting up the wife's one and I was, I just decided to set up ours. It was right before game five or whatever. Uh, when the game that Scherzer closed. <laughs> and Scherzer and Kirsch are both giving me shit the whole time, telling me that I have to pay for it because I set it up. And we've got like 25, um, basically everyone went. It was kind of an almost mandatory deal. Steakhouse? What what kind of cuisine are we talking about? We went about? to a sushi place in San Fran. So that's tough. That's a lot of G's. Yeah, and I don't want to name names because long story short, I got food poisoning at this dinner, so oh, I don't want to talk man. about it. There's been some uh, speculation that may or may not have been intentionally food poisoned, but it is what it is. Like a pizza in Salt Lake City thing for Jordan. That's what it, it felt like at the time. Now, I still like this restaurant. That's why I'm not going to name names. I may give it one more chance. It also, I don't eat fish, so I had 18 pieces of Wagyu nigiri, which means pretty much raw meat. Yeah. So it was my fault. It is what it is. <laughs> 18 pieces. Yeah, it's the only thing I could eat there. So anyway, we sit down and people start ordering things. And some things are very, very expensive, including bottles of sake. I don't want to go into the details on how expensive some of those were. But we all kind of, they decided to split it between a couple of the guys that were making a ton, a ton of money. And so they Everybody put their credit cards in and, and it comes back and I kind of sneakily put mine in there because they were giving me so much shit. And so I get a receipt back and Clayton whipped his head and was sitting next to me and looked at me and was like, what the, what are you doing? I was like, I, you guys told me I was going to have to pay for this dinner. And like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so like he was mad, like actually kind of mad that I had put my card in there, even though he would go along with it and and kind of, you know, him insurers and whatever, give me shit about it. Um, but that's just kind of how he is. He like expects you to like be able to take it and then he'll like cover you in the back, you know, in the back end of any situation like that. And um, not easy to do, but, but a special, you know, it takes a kind of a special dude to, to act that way. And uh, yeah, it's been a cool ride. I, I really, you know, I, I think, People, you know, you must have forgot or whatever, but some of the years early in his career, like the Dodgers weren't very good. And it was kind of only him. And you're talking the McCord era and all this stuff that that he's kind of survived through. And, um, you know, for us to kind of make the run that we want to make or, or sign these guys and, and have the team that we have now, like I think without him it would be a lot different. And, and so uh, I think he probably ultimately – like realize that but you know all of us without like overtly saying it i don't think it would be quite the same without him yeah i mean he's if he's not on the mount rushmore by now he'll probably be when everybody can play the hindsight game like it it ties back to the wit thing where like kansas city had an opportunity to make sure bobby witt is on the royals mount rushmore when it's all said and done and it would just feel weird if, and I brought this up about Altuve when we were doing our second base conversation, like it would feel weird if there was that Scotty Pippen Blazers year where it's yeah. like, oh, at the end of it, it just says TEX on the baseball reference page. It's like that. Joey Votto, if Joey Votto goes to another team, it's just yeah, like, it's like are we sure? Like yeah. Todd Helton, so much of the appeal there is like that guy is Mr. Rocky. Like 
Yeah. Kershaw, I, I'm with you. It, it would almost not feel poetic if you guys were to finish the job in 24 and Kershaw wasn't there. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, you largely look at the reaction of 2020 and and when we did win and, and whatever the context you want to give that in terms of short season, whatever, I, I think we all kind of stand by the idea that like everyone wanted to win the last game and so whatever. But largely the reaction that you get out of that most World Series, you see like there's two images usually. There's the last pitch and then there's like the shortstop in the second baseman or the big hit or whatever. And it was, you know, in our World Series, it was Clayton running out of the bullpen because he wanted to go in the game. Like, I think, like, whatever criticism people have of 2020 in general, like, I don't care. I I couldn't give a shit about it. Like, we won and whatever. I don't like that that's the one – I don't like that it's not just like complete for Kirsch. And so, um, you know, I guess we all know like he's coming to the end of his career, but, and I don't think it's like some weird, like 25 guys trying to get it done for Clayton thing. You know, you hear that narrative and that's never really like real. You hear that shit like out of coming out of locker rooms. And I don't think that's really what happens, but in terms of his legacy and, and whatever, part that another player can have in that like there is something to like yeah we want him here because we want to win a world series with him here yeah and he could be a huge piece of that um absolutely yeah a couple of new guys that are going to be big pieces of the push i'm curious um first in-person takeaway is glass now bigger uh than you were maybe expecting him to be is yamamoto smaller than you were expecting him to be like what is the sweeping takeaway when it comes to any of the new guys that you're interacting with? Um, yeah, Glass is a big man. It's a big huge. boy. He's huge yeah. and handsome. He's pretty handsome. <laughs> I'm not going to go in into that. I'll let you guys kind of I'll make up it. your own opinion. Yeah. I've got no problem doing uh, it, too. <laughs> yeah, I got it. But, yeah, it's a lot of hair. Um, it's a big man. He throws the ball hard really hard so i'm looking forward to seeing that you know we obviously i remember him from the world series and it was he was throwing the ball really hard and so uh, i'm excited to watch that uh yamamoto kind of baggy outfit today didn't see him in the full tight outfit so i don't really know Hmm. um he is not as tall as glass now no it might be a foot he's what he's 5'10 and glass now 6'8 6'9 uh, I don't think he's quite that big. I think he's like a he's like a six six five six six. I think he's lying. Him. You think he's lying? He's like telling the baseball people whoever like does the heights. He's like, nah, I'm probably six eight. He said the Kemba Walker thing. Like Kemba might have been five nine, and he he was always listed at six foot. I, I don't know because I don't know what he's listed at. So I'm in a precarious situation here, right? Like I don't know what he he says he is. Uh, he's he is, he's six like, eight. Like we we saw Bobby Miller in person at your golf tournament. That is a big man. Like comparing him to Glass now, Glass is a little bit leaner. Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller looked like he was six five, three hundred, all muscle. <laughs> three hundred. Yeah. yeah, he's not three hundred. Yeah, like in my head, I would say Bobby's six four, and in my head, I would say Glass is six six. Mm. But I could be wrong on both. Okay, so Glass now is listed at six eight two twenty five. Miller at six five two twenty. You're underestimating both of them. That's he's great. Bigger than, well, he's bigger than 220. What does it say I am? 
Ooh. I think it has you at 5'10", 150. I was going to say it, it has 5'8 here and then weight not listed. <laughs> That's what I do. I undersell. Undersell and over-deliver. I have well, to ask. that's time. That you're, time. At six, you're at 6'2", 185. Fair? Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm 6'1 and a half and I'm 203 right now. Man, that's beefy. So <laughs> we're talking about strength. We're talk talking about dad strength. How's the rehab going? Because you mentioned at the beginning of the show. I'm not rehabbing anymore, Peter. No, but you know what? I, I, I think of rehab as just like until you're on the mound, it's like a rehab, even though that's probably not the right term. But just going through, is it rehabilitation process? No, no you say, how's up. your arm? How's your arm? My <laughs> arm's fine. I've been throwing good. I've been like 92, 94 in my bullpens. So everyone can relax. Everything will be fine. I love it. Um, we're we're going to wrap with with a couple of things. Are you getting out to waste management? Are you going to go sit at no. 16? No. No. Um, I told that I played in that pro a couple of years ago, and I had some buddies that pulled some strings that were from out here to get me in there, you know. Um, it took a lot of strings, I'll say that. And it, it was humbling. But um I told them I would never go to a tournament until unless I was in the pro am. So I'm sticking to my guns. I will be watching on television. I have three pretty good buddies in there. Um so I'll be watching them on television. Do you wish you didn't make that statement for yourself? Do you wish you could go for sure? Absolutely. But um you know, I I probably wasn't sober when I said said thing. Uh, but sometimes you have to live, you have to live and die by the sword, and and that's what I'm doing. Gotcha. Maybe that's why you made this so story. Jeff life. Fujimoto, if you're out there from True Spec Golf, 8 a.m. Golf, um, I will win. So <laughs> I'm not going. If you could choose a partner golf tournament to win a million dollars, it could be any team. Who would be your golf partner? Is it? I mean, we need more context here, buddy. Because golf is there's a lot of things. Are we talking stroked? Do, can I bring a pro? What kind of no, tournament? The best, the best player who gives you the best chance to win a tournament. It's a two man scramble. I've got two guys, but it depends on where the where the course is because I've got course familiarity as part of this as well. You've so you're playing about checkers. This. All right, how about this? You're playing, playing checkers. You're playing in a course that you haven't played and none of your partners have played like you're playing in the middle of Siberia or just a place that none of you guys have ever been. Who's to. the better cold weather golfer in that case. <laughs> Agree. But you know what I'm saying? Like a course, just who you think is the best pure golfer that you would take on your team to win a million dollars. And it's a course nobody's played yet. So there is no, I have to know them. Yeah. Or, I mean, you don't have to know them. Like if you genuinely think like you've heard from others that this golfer is amazing in major I... baseball. I actually just want to hear the 3D chess, like play out. Okay. You know, in this location, I'm taking this guy, yeah. this part of the country, I'm taking this guy. Yeah. I have a couple of pro golfer buddies. So Let's I hear. mean, the, no, the choice is pretty obvious. Baseball. In major league baseball. Oh like, no. I thought you were talking pro-am man. Uh, or why no, is I'm, it pro? I'm just talking about current major league baseball players. All I'm asking current. is who is the best be golfer in major league baseball that you would want on your team. Has to be current doesn't have to be current then i take smaltz it's easy is he that good yeah john smaltz you know what's me the champions tour he's never played pro golf in his life yeah 
I didn't know he was that good. I mean, I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that he, good. Current, 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 Romo. current major league players. I've, uh, I played with Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is very good at golf. Um, but you're getting into some weird things because you golf is the handicapped sport, right? So there are guys that I know play with good handicaps that are really good golfers. Like I'm, I'm an eight or nine handicap, 10 at times, but I can make, bir- I can make a birdie on most every hole on every course in the world. I could also make a triple, but with strokes, things get a little interesting. Um, largely I've heard Aaron Hicks is about as good as there is. I know I'm missing some people. There are some guys that can really play. Um, well, I think there was a starter for the A's that they said was really, really, really good. Uh, he had, he had a, like two good years. What was his name? The Blackburn. Uh, Paul Blackburn. I've heard he's really good. I could be, that could be completely wrong. So don't quote me on it, but um, I've heard he's pretty good. I, I have played with Aaron Hicks. He's very, very good at golf. Got you. Aaron Hicks is the answer. Um, but John Smoltz is really the answer. If it's non, if it doesn't have to be current. Good for Smoltz. Just on air. He's great on air. He's great as a reliever. Great as a starter. He can golf too. Yeah, yeah. He almost made. I mean, he he almost made the Champions Tour. You know who else? Uh, I think Romo can can do that too. I think Tony Romo is like borderline like entering. Yeah. Pro neither ball. he's neither a current or a former Major League Baseball player. So yeah. No, I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't one. have brought it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that'll happen. Last but certainly not least, Super Bowl pick. What you got? Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs first half over. How come? Um, I may be, you know, moving my, my gambling accounts somewhere else and getting some deposits. So I think I'm putting it all on there. So it may be an interesting, um, we're not talking Drake level, you know, thing, but for me, it's going to feel really big, I think. And so I'm going to write it. I, I think your reasoning sounds somewhat makes some sense so i'm gonna go for oh, it come on did you read the write-up it makes a ton of sense it's a great bet <laughs> it's a great bet i read really your write-up up until the point i have to click read more and then i make a decision <laughs> and i say what really can he be doing in here in this read more that i need to to look through and so Fair i enough, largely it better hit it better hit i really i don't that. click it i don't click the read more so oh, thank you. it's all about that first paragraph and a half that you got. Good. Going. I'm, I'm glad I'm just typing it out for nobody to read it. But other others, well, somebody, it. some some people do, but they don't yeah. know you the way that I know you. So, um, it is what it is. Chiefs first half team total over ten and a half plus one ten. Jack, you writing? So here's the thing, Peter and I have actually um, got. Peter is the one that kind of like starts the argument. I tell him, I'm like, I'm going to do this because it's fun. I like the vibe yeah. of this, and he's like, I pour my heart and soul into this and you're picking <laughs> a game based on the vibe. So I'm just going to, I'm going to live and die by the card, Peter. So I'm, I'm with you on Sunday night. Yeah. I largely, um, I, you know, I do have a gripe with you, Peter. My, my one thing that I'm upset about is, and you people out there, this will be good for you. I largely, since we've been doing this podcast, have tried to get Peter to send me like the actual picks, like the ones that he really thinks are going to do, <laughs> not the ones that he puts out. <laughs> and he doesn't. He just sends me what he tweets out. And, um, you know, I thought with the kind of access that I have being on this podcast every once in a while, I could get like the real ones. Yeah. But I guess these are the real ones. So that's a good thing for you, Peter, but bad for me. And I, I think it's a little, um, 
it's not shady enough for my liking and I don't like that about you, but I'm happy that everyone that follows you gets your real picks. You know, what you I, could do is subscribe to his dub club account. Yeah. Just pay me $24.99 a month. There's a lot of things. I have a lot of phrases that are like, I would rather, and then <laughs> say it. Uh, but I can't say it in public and on this podcast, but you guys can. Yeah. I'm for the little guy. Figure it out. I'm always going to stick up for the little guy. You know, someone reading my picks, he gets it the same as you. You know, money is green. We're going to win. Interesting. And we're all going to win together, Walker. We're all going to win together. Interesting. Okay. You want to win more? No, I just want the picks, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Walker, always a blast. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Enjoy enjoy dad life. Enjoy spring training. And uh, I think we'll talk to you, what, in two weeks? Yeah, something like that. As always, appreciate Walker chatting with us. One more quick thing before we get to the top 10 second baseman. Uh, Interesting one plus one deal for the Milwaukee Brewers. Gary Sanchez is the newest member of the Milwaukee Brewers. And... He was the butt of a lot of jokes when he left New York. And then he bounced around a little bit. And and the joke around Gary, this free agent cycle, is, oh, well, Blake Snell needs to go wherever he goes because Snell had like a 1-6 ERA when he was throwing to Gary. Here's the thing about Gary Sanchez. I, I know that he was dinged for being a horrible defensive catcher at the beginning of his career. But he got off to an historic home run start to open his career. He is, if you took every catcher to log a major league plate appearance last year, he's in the top quarter when it comes to offensive ability, maybe top 20% when it comes to offensive ability. And he doesn't like totally suck defensively. He's a valuable major league baseball player. Valuable like 15? No. He's getting seven. I think that's value. I thought the Pirates could have really used someone like Gary Sanchez, especially with Andy Rodriguez going down. And I th- I think the Milwaukee Brewers did really well with that Sanchez signing. Unfortunately, $7 million uh, priced the Pirates out of the market, respectfully. Yeah. I mean, um, they paid 10 and a half for Chapman, so. That's a good point. That's a great deal for them. Um, and just to quantify the Blake Snell and uh, Gary Sanchez thing, because I'm sure you've seen it on social media being like, Blake Snell of the Brewers confirmed. Why are people saying that? Well, for one, Blake Snell went 11-3 and with an ERA of 129 and 147 strikeouts in 18 appearances with Gary Sanchez in 2023. I don't know what it was, but Gary and Blake Snell together was an incredible tandem. The reason I wanted to bring it up, right, when we were talking pre-record about what we're going to speak about, right, because there's not much news going on in Major League Baseball, I think the Gary Sanchez signing is fascinating. The Brewers clearly have a catching lab here. If we remember, even before William Contreras, Omar Narvaez was not that great of a defender. He was looking for a job. He goes to Milwaukee and becomes one of the most valuable pitch framers in Major League Baseball. Okay, maybe that's a one-off. And the reason I call it a lab now is William Contreras was maybe going to play left field for the Atlanta Braves when he was over. He was playing left field. He was playing left and DHing pretty much. That was the plan, right? They didn't think that he could catch. And what do the Atlanta Braves do? They get the most out of these young players, and they didn't believe he could catch. What does he go do? Well, he becomes one of the most valuable defensive players in Major League Baseball in 2023 with the Milwaukee Brewers. And we know about the stick. 
right? We know we can hit jacks, but the defense. And so that's why I found it fascinating. Gary Sanchez, what is he known for? It's bombs, strikes out a lot, but the bat is inconsistent. But when it's on, right? First couple of years with the Yankees, I mean, this was a 170 WRC plus in 2016 guy, 70% above league average. At one point, he was the best young player on the Yankees, and that was including Aaron Judge. Obviously didn't pan out, but I I think this is a sneaky great signing for Milwaukee. Yeah. Because if so they you, can get any if they can get anything out of him defensively, and then imagine, okay, then we don't need him. Then we'll flip him at the deadline. Maybe he learned something in Milwaukee and now he could be a valuable piece. And maybe they get a top fifteen prospect in a system for him at the deadline if he plays well. I think it was a great signing overall. And then let's say they don't flip him. Let's say he doesn't pan out. The money's not that big of a deal. I'm weirdly excited about this move. I don't know why. And I know why, but I also don't know why. So, like, you can go ahead and call it fluky, but 2021 with the Yankees, he had negative 10 defensive runs saved. He's horrible. Horrible. 2023 in 75 games between the Mets and the Padres, he had seven defensive runs saved. That can't be accurate. I know it is. I know you're reading the correct number, but it can't be accurate. I'm reading the correct number. Um, overall <laughs> numbers here, I will tell you that Gary Sanchez put up a 111 WRC plus and a 1.7 war season in 75 games. It's like good. It's really good. Yeah, like that's better than $7 million on a one-year deal. There's been a yeah. stigma. I think there has been an unfair label attached to Gary Sanchez, and I think that this may be the year that he sheds that label. Is he going to catch every day? No. He's probably better when he doesn't catch every day. Do you think it's our fault that he has been given this label? Do you know why it might be our fault? Because uh, you hated him at the end of the Yankee tenure, and his his like his valley was the first year of this show. Yes, but our first ever viral video that this company has ever produced was us, me, screaming about how much I hate Gary Sanchez's framing and really? how I just cannot watch it anymore. That was the first video on our TikTok that went crazy. So and I, I think the first two so were, were Gary Sanchez sucking and Chris Bryant figuring something out and turning a corner. And like literally where that got us. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> so bad. Second baseman. Second baseman. A sneaky loaded position. Loaded. The honorable mentions are arguably top 100 players in Major League Baseball. I mean, dude, Brian Kenny thinks that we left the second best second baseman in baseball off the top 10 entirely. I don't know how to get in touch with Brian Kenny. I need him on the Just Baseball show. Because as you guys know, my favorite part about baseball analysis is arguing over things that don't matter, which include top 10s. And he's put out some lists. I got to get in his ear, Jack. So if anybody listening can somehow connect us because he doesn't have Twitter, I don't know how to get a hold of him. But he's number one on my list right now. I need to talk to Brian Kenny about his list because okay. they're not good. And I want to say it to his face and I want to get into the weeds. We'll, we'll figure out a way to get you in contact with him. Do you want to handle evens or odds? I'll do give me odds. I want number one. Yeah, you can totally get it, man. I'll <laughs> feed you on that. Uh, our two honorable mentions before we get into that, though. Matt McLean of the Cincinnati Reds and Andres Jimenez of the Cleveland Guardians. Jimenez was a top five second baseman of baseball going into last year and off of a platinum glove year that net him a nine figure deal. This guy really underwhelmed. 
he is the candidate to jump onto this list of like the 10 or of the guys that we left outside the top 10. He is the one that it's like, yeah, he could absolutely be four next year. And then McLean in Cincinnati, what an amazing rookie year. I saw him for a month in AAA. He was lighting the world on fire. He gets up. Cat had a 900 OPS going into the all-star break. McLean just started a really incredible career that's going to unfold in front of our very eyes. And, and Jimenez, so young, tons of good baseball in his future. Yeah, you guys messed up um, not putting Andres Jimenez on the top 10. And the reason I say you guys and not me is because this is a group effort. Yeah. Again, reminder, this is an aggregate score of six people who ranked. I ranked Andres Jimenez in the top 10 because he's coming off like 2022. We just forgot about that he was top six in MVP voting, that he was one of the best players in the American League, and then had a down year offensively. Wasn't the same guy, but he proved the talent. The Guardians don't give out big contracts, yet they gave one to him for a reason. He's going to come back next year. He's going to be great. A lot of the expected stats point to, you know, positive regression for him offensively. He's a great defender. There is no reason why he should not be on this top 10. And we're going to get into number 10, who I love number 10, and this list is loaded. So it's no disrespect to guys on the list. It is just the fact that you, and it's it might be your fault, but I ranked him in the top 10. Andres Mendes should be a top 10. Don't come after. Actually, go after them, not me. It's my fault and Ryan Finkelstein's fault. Because number 10, I had him at number nine, Fink had him at number eight, everybody else had him in the double in the double digits. But number 10 on this list, cue up Ty Verdes is Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies. This guy in his age 25 season played the entirety of the year, 640 plate appearances. He slashed 280, 329, 419. He had 15 homers. He swiped 31 bags, maybe the sneakiest 30 stolen base season that we had in baseball. But a 101 WRC plus, he's an elite defender. That propelled him to a four-win season, 3.9 F4. Six defensive runs saved at second base, 16 outs above average. We knew he could be a great defensive shortstop. It's the Horner thing. You take a good defensive shortstop, he moves over to second base. He is an elite defensive second baseman, and that'll shoot the war up like a rocket ship. Smooth like butter over there at second base. I love watching him play defense. But Bryson Stott should get a bump in our rankings um, due to the electricity of his walk-up song. So I was at Citizens Bank Park uh, during the playoffs, and the crowd singing that walk-up song, I don't even know the name of it. A-OK by Ty Verdes. That's why I said cue up Ty Verdes. Ah, that's what it is. A-OK by Ty Verdes. That was one of the coolest moments I've ever seen live. But on the baseball side, I think the reason why I prefer Andres Jimenez and I kept Bryson Stott out of the top 10 is he's going to hit for a high average, but he doesn't walk that much, and there's not much impact with the bat, right? We are looking at a 419 slug, and we're going to get to Luis Arias, you know, obviously at the uh, beginning of this list. And while he is only having like 10 or 11 or, maybe not even that, like six or seven home runs. We're looking at a 470 slug. With Bryson Stott, there's just not that much impact. However, he makes up for it in a lot of different facets of the game. Excellent base runner, right? 31 stolen bases, and he's always going first to third. He's very smart out there. And he's a great defender as well. 16 outs above average is absurd. So Bryson Stott is a great player. 
I personally don't think he should be top 10. I think he should be on the outside looking in, but I'm not, I am angry, but no disrespect to Bryson Stott. He's obviously a great player. So Vegas makes a lot of people angry. I get it. And you're allowed to be angry about anything on this list. Think about the anger right now. So I'm in, I'm in my hotel and they have this, uh, they have like this mini fridge full of stuff and they have these like snacks on the outside. Right. And you can't touch these. I can't. Those are $70. Think the cookies. Can I tell you this for one second? There's like cookies and gummy bears right there and a can of Pringles and a Fiji water bottle. So this is a mini one that I stole yeah. from downstairs, but the big one, how, how much money do you think a big Fiji water is just sitting right there? Honestly, I, I, think it's, it. I, I think it's $11, $25, yeah. <laughs> $25 for a large water. And the thing is in Vegas, like if you touch it, like if you remove it, they instantly charge you. So if we touch that water bottle, they're forking. I got to fork over for $25. That will not be happening. So I'm a little angry. Yeah, I get it, man. Just go down to the mini mart right next to the, 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 what check-in desk, the concierge mm-hmm. and just ask them for a bucket and go fill it up with like some sink water or something. And that's your, that's your sustenance for the, for the week. <laughs> got to save my money for the tables. Yes. Number nine? Number nine. Glaber Torres of the New York Yankees comes in at number nine on the top 10 second base list. Guy rakes 25 home runs, a 123 WRC plus, a 3.2 F4. He's not the defender that most guys are on this list, but he's just going to keep hitting, and we have to respect the bat, right? 273 batting average, 347 OBP, 453 slug. A great-looking slash line. But I like looking at quality of contact, ex-WOBA. So if you go in Baseball Savant, the top 100 million players are ranked by ex-WOBA, right? Measures your quality of contact while also factoring in walks and strikeouts. He had a higher ex-WOBA last year than Jose Ramirez. He is around the same spot as guys like Bo Bichette, top 40 in Major League Baseball. Let's start respecting the bat here with Glaber Torres. Right, he's only still only twenty seven years old. I think if he has another great year, and I ex- fully expect him to do so, he's going to sign for a good amount of money. Yeah, this is a very good second baseman. Again, former shortstop, not quite the defender, but you can tell he's getting better and better as he's adjusting to the second base position. He's not Bryson Stott where he can just go over and instantly become elite. But if you look at his numbers year over year, it's better year over year over year. And if even if he's just an average defender, the bat is going to take him place. Glaber Torres, number nine. So Harrison Bruns is an excellent young writer for us at Just Baseball, and he did the write-up that is linked to the episode description of the top 10 second baseman in baseball, and he made a great point. He said this year was the year that he established himself as someone that is always going to provide solid offensive production. And he cited the 10% walk rate, And the K rate dipping under 15%. And that was the final frontier for me. Like this guy not long ago was running a K rate above league average. I mean, hell dude, 2022, it was a 23% K rate. He cut the K rate by 8%. If he's punching out 14 and a half percent of the time and he's hitting 25 homers, I'm giving him 80, 90, maybe a hundred million dollars. If they run the price up. I mean, think about it. Jameson Tyon got 70 million. Like, what, are you going to give Faber Torres twice that? No, I'm just kidding. But of course, yeah, this is a nine-figure guy when he hits the open market, right? He's, he's only 27. A, yeah. He's only 27 years old. So at age 28, 
Would you give him a six-year deal for 120? I probably would if he replicates this offensive success, right? Like, let's say next year, right? Last year, he put up a 123 WRC+. plus. What if he does the same thing again and you've got two years in a row to work with? And he's a little bit better defensively, so let's say he puts up a four-win season. Again, you're looking at it like an easy top 10 guy. That's why I can't believe that Fraudum Layton put him 12. I mean, what are we talking about here, Fraudum? For me, like... I think we're looking at a guy that should be paid like Story was paid. If good, he replicates. Good comp. Yep. Oh, Story shortstop, but his arm but issues. Like, yeah, no, is I can see that. Very similar <laughs> contract. No, I agree. No, I agree with you. I'm saying at the time when he signed it. I think if I'm in Glaber Torres's camp, if I'm a GM, I'm saying like, ah, we might have to ding you because you're a true second baseman. You you don't have any ability to play shortstop anymore. But if I'm in Glaber Torres's camp, and if he does the same exact thing in 24 that he did in 23, I'm saying... Look at the story number. We think that could be either a comp or, frankly, a starting offer. I don't know if it's the starting offer. I think he checks in at less if we're being totally realistic, but I do think that is the ideal contract to shoot for. The third best hitter on the Yankees. Yeah. Judge, Soto, Labor Torres. I'm a little bit nervous about the Yankees. We're going to talk about it when we go over previews. No, because it's such a what-if team, which doesn't often end well. No, never. Never. Number eight, Nico Horner of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, he hit 280. He's still 43 packs at a 102 WRC+. plus. Like, mm, all right. He almost put up a five-win season because he is one of the best defenders that we have in baseball. He is a platinum glove candidate from here on out. 12 defensive runs saved, 14 outs above average. He and Dansby Swanson have created what you can only aspire to replicate in a lab when it comes to middle infield defense. It is as close to perfect as you will find in baseball, and I think for quite some time it's going to be the closest thing to perfect that we've got. He's 26 years old. He's shown the ability to flirt with 300. I don't care that he's only hitting 10 homers a year. 43 bags and elite defense for a 4.7 war. His value is immense. Leo Morgenstern is a phenomenal editor. He's a great writer and is super valuable to just baseball. But Leo Morgenstern put Nico Horner at number 11 on the top 10 second base list. He would have had him as an honorable mention. It's a fireable offense, Chuck. <laughs> we got to talk about Leo's you know, job security here because I put him at eight. And I thought I was going to be the low man. And the reason is we're talking about impact with the bat. I hold all, everybody to the same standard, right? It's a 383 slug, right? There's just not a lot of impact there. But Nico Horner is a ball player at his core, right? He makes up for it in every other area on the field. 4.7 F4 while like not being the best hitter. Like a no. 102 WRC plus is absurd. Him and Dansby up the middle is one of the most beautiful defensive tandems that we've had in the last 10 years. I truly think so. Watching them play defense up the middle is just, I think, the biggest reason to watch Cubs baseball because it's truly like them turning double plays. Everything up the middle, and when Cody was playing center, was just soaked up by these guys. And Nico, again, kind of similar to Bryson Stott, is such a good base runner. And the reason why I ranked Nico above Bryson Stott is 
While Bryson Sott has a little more impact with the bat, I think Nico Horner is a more well-rounded hitter. I think he's a better base runner. I think he's a better defender all around. So when I think of the word ball player, I think of Nico Horner. The Stanford man, too. High baseball IQ. He's a Stanford man. I like that. I'm just, I just really like watching Nico Horner play baseball. He's awesome. Number seven on the top 10 second base list is Haseon Kim of the San Diego Padres. He, I mean, you could put him on the utility list, right? Because he can play all world defense at shortstop and second base. And I bet if you put him in center field, he'd be totally fine. But I don't even want to talk about Haseon Kim's defense. We know about how good the defense is. The bat, 17 bombs, 38 steals, a 112 WRC+. plus. I put him at number seven. I think all of us are pretty aligned. Ryan Finkelstein's the low man at number nine. Javier Reyes, our Padres writer, is putting out an article. That's our editor, Will Cohn, <laughs> behind me. Is putting out an article about how he thinks the Padres, it's time to trade Haseon Kim. The amount of return that you could get that maybe the Padres should start over a little bit. It hasn't come out yet, so I haven't read it yet. But I saw the title in the drafts. And I wanted to kind of get your take on that. I don't want to take away from how good he is, right? We know that he's an all-world defender. We know that he's 15 to 20 home runs. We know he's going to steal 40 bases. We know he's just going to be an impact player. Would you trade him if you're the Padres? Um, it's tough because he's so much better than Jorge Polanco is. And I wonder if... San Diego is looking at the return Minnesota got for Jorge Polanco and saying like, okay, they need to at least double that in terms of value. Oh yeah. I think Hassan Kim is worth double that of Jorge Polanco based on the price. Me too. Um, I don't know. I, I would set a very high price tag for Hassan Kim. I think I would do the cease thing where I'm like, Hey, you better be giving me the sun and the moon for, for Hassan Kim and quote John Heyman. But yeah, I, I get the idea of floating him, especially if you can cut cost, because that is clearly important to San Diego right now. Um, if I was in AJ Preller's shoes and I just, you know, signed Yuki Matsui, I just signed Wusako, like I, I've been active in the free agent market. He clearly intends on contending for a postseason spot. You get to the postseason with a guy like Hassan Kim. You don't get to the postseason with three guys that are trying to replicate the production of Hassan Kim. You get there because Xander Bogarts rolls his ankle. He's out for two weeks. You've got a top-flight defensive shortstop that has the capability of hitting 17 homers and swiping 40 backs that you just move over from second to short. Second base is a way easier position to replace for two weeks than shortstop is. His utility value is far too immense for me to consider him expendable. When you turn on Padres games and you're watching this lineup just freaking shit all over each other, right? <laughs> didn't you? I know there's Juan Soto and I know there's Manny Machado and I know there's Xander Bogarts and I know there was plenty of hitters last year, but there was a good chunk of the season where it was like, all right, runners on second and third, who do you want up? It was Haseon Kim. Like this guy was their guy. And if he stays with San Diego, he's now really their guy. Of course, they still have Bogarts and I know they still have the stars. But I think he is the glue there. And Haseon Kim is so good that Jung Hu Lee got $113 million, if that makes sense. Because I think if Haseon Kim, right, because it took him a little while when he came over from the KBO to kind of get going. 
and has really just been awesome the last two years. I think if he faltered, do you think Jung-Hoo Lee's getting 100-plus million? And I know that, you know, and an organization could say, well, no, we don't. It's not about Haseon Kim. We're evaluating the player. I truly think that if Kim struggled, like he was still like not that good of a player, there'd be a lot more questions about can these KBO hitters come over and really, really produce. I know there's yeah. been Shinsu Chu. There just hasn't been a ton yeah, like, of group. Chu, but Chu was also like 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I, I think the best thing that executives, when they are looking at guys that are coming over from overseas, can rely on is recent precedent. And Hassan Kim is the recent precedent to Jung Hu Lee. He is a guy that, you know, had to get over a hump, right? It was it was an acclimation process his first year stateside. And then after that, he's taken off. Like he's improved over the last two years. Um, I think the reason Yamamoto's price tag was so high was because Kodai Sanga was immediately great for the New York Mets yeah. last year. So I, I do think that there is a sense of immediate precedent. Head to number six, another quick break. Number six is Luis Arise of the Miami Marlins. And Luis Arise in his first year in the National League East hit 354. <laughs> cool. Three and a half win player. Obviously, he has his defensive struggles, minus 10 outs above average, but four defensive runs saved. At the end of the day, it's never punching out that gets Luis Arise on this list and shoves him very high on this list. The other thing that I think we need to take into account is this guy slugs more than many other bat-to-ball guys in baseball. He had a 470 slugging percentage, found 10 homers in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. He'll spray doubles, and dude, hits are sexy. You get 200 hits, you hit 350, you're six at the very least on this list. Yeah, 61 doubles in the past two seasons. Lone Depot Park is perfect for him. It's a pitcher's park. He wasn't going to hit that many home runs anyway but he sprays balls into the gaps. And I think he is on the short list of the toughest ABs in Major League Baseball. That's something I want to talk about with Walker as we get closer to the season or maybe in the middle of the season, right? Talk about some of the guys who he thinks are just really, really hard to get out. And I bet Luis Rise is going to make his list. The amount of two-strike hits this man had. I mean, there was a stretch here where we were thinking about making videos about him hitting 400. Yeah. I mean, that was a legit discussion for the first half of the season. And it wasn't unfounded, right? He he did, I guess, struggle in the second half by his standards. And by struggling, he hit 383 in the first half. And struggling by Luis Rise standards is hitting 314 in the second half. Like, that was a bad half for him offensively, right? Where he put up an 800 OPS, 905 OPS in the first half. Luis Rise, like, when we talk about just home run totals, right? 10 home runs. Peter, Bryson Stott hit 15. Of course he impacts the ball more. Nico Horner, 469 slug. It's not all about the homers. It's about getting on second base to let the rest of the lineup drive you in. Now, the problem is, moving forward, how many guys the Marlins have to driving him in, right? But that's not his fault, right? We're not going to break a blower because nobody could drive him in. You'd yeah. expect him to lead the league in runs by like a trillion, but he can't because nobody's driving him in. Luis Arias, I ranked him fourth. Why'd you rank him seventh? What are you doing? Because the defense is not that good, man. Like, yeah, but it's he, not that bad either. He was playing first base for Minnesota. I think this guy is best served as like, 
the throw and not even a throwback first baseman because the throwback first baseman are the ones that like were double decker dipping and had beer bellies and like were slamming dogs in the in the dugout between innings. But like I think Luis Arise, all the value is in the bat. And yeah, it's, a bat. it's a great bat, but at the <laughs> end of the day, look at the war. Like just look at the overall value. You know what I mean? It's he hits a ton. I love watching him. Maybe more than Mookie's on this list. But <laughs> Maybe more than anyone not named Mookie Betts on this list. Altuve's on this list. Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. He is a top three watch for me on this list. I will firmly say I like watching Arise more than I like watching Marcus Semien. So he's a top three watch for me on this list because I love watching guys slap the ball around the ballpark. It is so much fun, and it's so ridiculously unique in baseball right now. It's Arise and Quan. Who else? Mm-hmm. Really, nobody. Juan Juan can't be on this list. What he had two seventy last year. He, he's got to do way more. That's to the be, thing, man. Like, like, so it's a rising Juan when it comes to this mold, and one of them is double the player the other guy is right now, and that is offense. Juan is a Gold Glove lover, left left fielder, but I mean, a rise. Like, I just see a lack of defensive value that in turn shoves down the overall value because you have so many good defenders on this list. What I will say here is. One of my favorite things to do on fan graphs is go to the plate discipline tab and just take a peek at some of the advanced metrics there. Overall contact rate. The amount of times you swing, it is the percentage of those swings that result in contact. Luisa Rice's contact rate is 94%, 93.8%. The next highest is Quan at 90.4%. Those are the only two guys last year that were over 90% in terms of contact rate. Zone contact. Pitches in the strike zone that you swing at, what percentage of those do you make contact with? We've cited zone contact a lot with prospects. Arm loves talking about it with prospects when when we do get into that. Stephen Kwan, 96%. Luis Arise, 95%. 95.3. The one that jumps out to me, O contact. The number of pitches you swing at Outside of the strike zone, how many do you make contact with? There's one guy over 82%. There are four guys over 80%. Bryson Stott at 80.3. Nico Horner at 80.7. Miles Straw has an 82% contact rate on pitches outside the strike zone that he swings at. Yeah, but those are he's just grounding out to the pitcher, respect. Right. So the second best, 82.2. Luis Arise, 91.5% of the pitches he swings at outside the strike zone, he makes contact on bad pitches 92% of the time. Unfortunately, do you know what you just did? You just proved why I think you're a war merchant. Like, you just I am these a guys war merchant. War? Like, I know what are you talking about? This is an amazing bat. Dude, I've been a war merchant since I was like <laughs> in college, and I'm willing to acknowledge that. Get, I your love head, get your head out of the spreadsheet. You just read the stats. I mean, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? I'm more comfortable getting my head out of the spreadsheet with like a Sonny Gray or a Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> Luis Rise being it. I mean, I put him at four. He should not be at six. He's a top five second baseman. But again, I'm sorry, folks. Obviously, Peter's saving the day, but I can't save it enough. I'm sorry. Forgot Ooh. your list is always perfect. I cannot. Always perfect. Wait, I I've cannot a bad wait list. for Peter Apple's top 100 players. 
I've never had a bad list. It's incredible. I can't Good for me. wait for that. <laughs> you texted me after last year's and you said, Hey man, are you mad at me? And I was like, no. <laughs> going after my character i mean it got crazy and i can't wait to do it again number five ozzy albies of the atlanta braves on our top 10 second base list 33 jacks need i say more how about a four win season need i say more 109 rbis yeah he's on the braves and he gets a lot of opportunities i don't care who you play with i don't care if it's an all-star team 109 driven in 513 slug 124 WRC plus dude doesn't walk and he's way better from the right side of the plate. We know this. He should probably stop switch hitting from against lefties, right? As a right-handed hitter, his slash line is 338, 364, 570 for a 134 OPS plus with a 934 OPS against right-handed pitching, which is obviously a much larger sample. 250, 311, 447, 758 OPS. So should he hit predominantly right-handed? Sure. But I'm not about to go tell him. Because overall, his body of work right now, it's crazy to say. I know what I know what it is. But I want you to just pull up his stats in the, his first couple of seasons, right? Oh, I only look at war. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I'm not saying he's on a Hall of Fame track. But if this second baseman keeps hitting 30 bombs and 30 doubles and driving at all these runs and hitting close to 300 and playing great defense for years and years and years, and I have no reason to believe that it's going to stop because he's a crazy athlete, but he's not reliant on athleticism. I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but at the end of the day, in 15 years, if he is, I'm not going to be surprised. One, two, three, four, five. So this 2024 would be Ozzy Albee's first year on the open market if he didn't sign his pre-arbitration extension. Ozzy Albee's on the open market would probably get, after a 33 and 109 season, he would probably get 25 a year. Would he not? I think he'd get a Simeon-type deal. Yeah, he's 27 years old, too. Like, Simeon signed when he was 30. Ozzy's 27. Do you know how much money Ozzy Albee's is making this year? Like seven million dollars? Seven. Do you know how much yeah. he makes in twenty-five? Eight? Seven. Do you know <laughs> how much he makes in twenty-six, his age twenty-nine season? Let me guess. Seven. There's a club option for seven. Okay. Okay. And then how about twenty twenty seven? His age thirty season. Seven? There's a club option again for seven. It is amazing. Amazing that they got away with this. And I, I get it. Obviously, I I totally get it. And like, hey. He got paid, man. He got 35 mil. He's going to get, you know, they're going to exercise those options. He'll get 14 more. Yeah. The Bra- Braves fans out there, you cannot make fun of the Dodgers. You're the one team who cannot make fun of the Dodgers for all these deferred payments because every one of your players is donating to that Atlanta foundation. <laughs> the Braves right? foundation. Like you, every other team can bitch and complain, and I will bitch and complain with you. Braves yeah. fans, you're off limits. You can't do it, and you know it. You cannot complain about the Dodgers because you're doing the same fucking thing. Ronald Kuda Jr. makes like, like $10 million a year. He just watched Bobby Wood Jr., who he is much better than in Ronald Coon Jr.'s top three at worst player in Major League Baseball, signed for a trillion dollars. He's making so, basically minimum wage in Major League Baseball standard. Right. So Ozzy was obviously hurt in 22, but he played 156 games in 21, 
2019, he played 160. 2018, 158. Last year, 148. If I were to tell you that this guy over 162 on average is hitting 273 with 38 doubles, 27 bombs, and 16 bags, you're signing up for $25 million a year. Maybe one. And I'm so glad that Ozzy Albies came back and just had this incredible season once again because he was a guy who was, first of all, I think he was left off MLB Network's top 10. I saw that. That was stupid. Straight up blasphemy. Stephen A. Smith, blasphemous. Yeah. But even before the season began, there was a lot of people who said, well, he doesn't walk enough. His advanced metrics aren't good. 30 and 100. 30 and 100 from your second baseman every year. 30 bombs in 2021. 2022, he's injured, and that's probably why he dropped below. 33 bombs, hit 24 in 2019, 24 in 2018. Like, he has 131 career home runs, and he's going into his age 27 season. That's yeah. why I say don't count him out if he continues on this path. Yeah. Right? I, he's going to keep doing it. He needs to do it for 10 to – he needs to do it for, like, 15 more right. seasons. Yeah, so but my, I just my main pushback – yeah, my pushback on the Hall of Fame thing was going to be like it's it's way too early there and way he hasn't been he hasn't even been like a top 30 player in baseball in any given year. You know. know what I mean? I just think like if every year that he's healthy, he's 30 and 100 at the second base position with great yeah. defense. Like I'm no, just saying crazy. like I wouldn't be surprised if he accumulates like 400 and Right. Like who's to, who's to say he can't end his career with like similar numbers to Jeff Kent? Yeah, if he if he has thirty home runs for the next ten years, which is not a, eh. it's it's drastic, it's drastic. But then that would put him at four hundred and thirty one career home runs. So that's what I'm saying. For reference, Jeff Kent on a one sixty two basis hit two ninety with thirty nine doubles, twenty seven homers, one hundred and seven driven in. Higher batting average, fifty points higher in the OPS department, but. Same type of double production in the in the very early going again, very early going. Same type of home run production, same type of run production. Albies is a better base stealer. Like there are there are comps to be made. Um, Albies is not a Gold Glove level defender, but Ozzy Albies in his career is punching out seventeen percent of the time. So I see what you're saying. It's just so ridiculously early, and he hasn't put together like Jeff Kent won an MVP. Ozzy Albies finished 13th in MVP voting in 2021. Like that's the closest he's gotten to this point. He needs some sort of crazy eight win season. I think that's out of the realm of possibility, but he could be an accumulator. Cause again, he's yeah. so young. that's what I'm saying. I think he's like, he could just accumulate enough stats where it's like, he's on the ballot and then you're comparing him to other second basemen. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, you look at the numbers. Better like, stats how did those than, get that good? Yeah, that, that's my point, right? Like, he's not going to win an MVP. He's not going to. I don't even know if he's going to win a gold glove, but he's just going to have the numbers, and we're going to look back at it. And sometimes I just need to give a take and just let it simmer, and like it might come true, and I might look like a genius, or it's be a take that no one ever remembers. Yeah. So it's so kind of a. I'll say no. That's a crazy take to throw out. It's a. It's a, it's a. It's like one of those. Like what that was a Kendrick Perkins take that I just gave. Damn. I didn't realize I was working with Park. All right. Uh, <laughs> number four. Number four is Cattell Marte with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Did he get a postseason bump? I don't think so. This guy had a great 2023. Was he amazing in the postseason? Yes, he was. 
two defensive runs saved. He was slightly above average when it came to defensive production. But it's the bat, man. This guy bounced back, hit nearly 280, 25 homers, a 127 WRC plus, and put up a four and a half win season. This cat during the postseason lit baseball on fire. Postseason record for longest hit streak in the playoffs. You cannot, you could not during the postseason poke a hole in Cattell Marte's game because he had the clutch factor too. I think that there are going to be ebbs and flows for the next several years of Cattell Marte. And hell, we've seen those ebbs and flows over the last couple of years. He's looked like one of the best players in baseball. And then he's looked like a guy that should be replaced in the Arizona lineup. But man, we're back at the tippy top of this crazy roller coaster ride. And I'm high on life right now on Cattell Marte. Longest postseason hit streak in Major League Baseball history. Cattell Marte. You're going to get asked that question in 30 years. And you got to remember, unless someone beats it in the meantime. And I don't think they will. Cattell Marte is at the top of the mountain. Freak athlete. He's been a guy who I've been super high on, right? And you just see the talent. In 2019, and this is from the write-up, which you should go follow along on JustBaseball.com, a 150 WRC plus and a 6.2 F4. 2019. In 2021, 141 WRC plus. It just wasn't in that amount of games. That's been his issue. It's just staying on the field. But when we see him on the field and when he's healthy, right? Because there have been times where he's been on the field and clearly not healthy, right? Because he is a guy who relies a lot on athleticism. He's a freak athlete. And when he is healthy and right, he is one of the better players in the league. And we saw that come to fruition in the playoffs. And just to see how cold-blooded he was, right? Like, this is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, respectfully, right? You're not the Dodgers. You're not even the Phillies. You're such an ass, bro. (laughs) They just aren't. But Cattell Marte was the cold-blooded demon on the field. In all of those series, just from the right side, from the left side, it doesn't matter. And he's a great defender, too. And he can play some center. I just think he's one of the more talented players that we're going to review. But the reason he's not number one or two or three is because he's just not on the field enough. And while he had a great season last year and was completely on the field, we just can't project that all the time moving forward. It's not like we're projecting injuries. But we can look at the past and say, all right, we can't pencil you in for 162 like we can Marcus Semien. The talent is similar. The availability is not. Yeah, well, and like I'm just looking at the overall production numbers too. Like I'm working off B-War right now, right? 119. Back to the war. war. Yeah. (laughs) If there's anything, if there's any stat that I lean on outside of war for position players, it's base hits, home runs, and RBIs. And X-Dog in them. Uh, yeah, I do like X dog. That is a good X with or dog with a uh, D A W G, right? Swag and vibes. So here's the deal. Um, 153 games in 2018, he put up 3.9 B war. 2019, he had a seven win season, 6.9 B war. Then 2021, 90 games, he's under two. 137 games in 2023 or 2022, pardon, he's at 1.5. And then he puts up another five win season in 2023. So we're, we're like talking about a guy that yes, is unavailable at points, but he's also been like on the field and not good recently. The thing is like, 
it is the roller coaster, and and I'm cool being wrong going into 2025. If Cattell Marte stinks again, I'm like, all right, you know, we're just going to get the the odd year thing from him, and that's okay. Um, I hope that that's not the case, and I think now as he turns with 30 years old, we may get a more consistent Cattell Marte. I think we will. Cattell Marte, just one of the most talented players on this list, but he ain't number three. Number three on the top 10 second base list is Marcus Semyon of the Texas Rangers. Could be two, and I wouldn't argue with you. 6.3 F4, top three finish in American League MVP. 29 bombs, 14 steals, a 276, 348, 478 slash line with 100 driven in and just an all-world defender that shoots him up the war rankings and makes him Jack McMullen's number two second baseman. I couldn't do it. We're going to talk about two and one. I couldn't do it. But I'm also, I don't hate it because the consistency every day on the field, Marcus Semyon is doing something to help your team win every single second. That's why I was so surprised when he struggled in the postseason. Now, he got back to it, right, when we saw the World Series. When it really mattered, he was there. But overall, right, his postseason stats were underwhelming for a guy of his caliber. But then he starts turning it on, and the Rangers win the World Series easily. Like, he is just such a good player. He's like if Nico Horner hit 30 bombs. (laughs) Like, that's like, that's what we're dealing with. Everything I love about Nico Horner, the availability, the base running, right? Nico Horner steals way more bases, but Marcus, I mean, he doesn't need to when Corey Seager's up, right? You're, yeah. You don't really want to run when Seager's at the plate or Josh Young or Nathaniel Lowe or any of these guys. Right. So he has a different role. Still a great base runner. All-world defender. He's literally Nico Horner if he had 30 home runs. Yeah, so that's my thing. It's like he is as elite as they come. He, Horner, Stott, I think, are the three elite defensive second basemen on this list. Jimenez is there, too. Jimenez is an honorable mention. Um, the McLean's reason he was there. two for me, McLean's going to be there. McLean might be there. I think he will be. He might get there quickly. The reason he was two for me is because number two has seriously slowed a step defensively. And it, it does show in the metrics. Don't care. I know. I know. Don't care. <laughs> and like the narrative I'm totally here for. I will say the anecdote that we got during the postseason from Bruce Bochy, where he said, he had a conversation with Marcus Semyon ahead of the season, and he asked about putting him on the lineup card. It's like, hey, how do we want to go about this? And Semyon told Bochi, I think I have this right. I don't think it was the other way around. I think Semyon told Bochi, if you don't hear from me, put me on the lineup card. Like, <laughs> put me on the lineup card. I will tell you if I need to be taken off. That's the kind of guy we're talking about in Marcus Semyon. Do you have the games played total in front of you? He has played at least 159 games in every season since 2018. So you can exclude 2020, obviously. So, like, he missed seven games in 2020, but what, he has led Major League Baseball in games played in 2019, 2021, 2022, 2023. He's always on the field. He's led Major League Baseball in plate appearances. He's had 724 plate appearances at least in each of his last four seasons, 747, 724, 724, 753. Imagine worrying about playing time 
He's not like he he came up to about 753 times last year. You know how I was saying about Cattell Marte, right? I was saying, you know, there was times where he was on the field and the production dipped and I thought he looked injured, right? He wasn't playing like himself. There were times where I was watching Marcus Simeon where I didn't feel that he was fully healthy, but he was still performing. I mean, that's what it elevates you to elite status is there is no way that Marcus Simeon has been 100% since 2018. The human body just doesn't work like that. So he's, I assume, like, he gets hit on the wrist, right? He slides weird, and he's got whatever. He's got a bum hammy. It doesn't matter. He comes to the ballpark, and he's going to impact the game in one way, right? He may not have his power stroke that day. Maybe his hip flexor is hurting a little bit. Still going to slap you a base hit the other way and go one for four, play great defense, Right? Maybe if he's got a bum ankle and he can't really run, he'll just sit at the plate and hit bombs. Marcus Simeon has figured out a way to be baseball's Iron Man, which never happens in this day and age, right? We look at the NBA and guys are out because they don't feel right. right? They, they don't even have the flu. They have the cold, right? In Major League Baseball, we, we don't find guys who play 162 games anymore. We're talking about starting pitchers being like, oh, 170 innings is amazing. Marcus Simeon shits all that down the drain. Yeah. God, he's good. I love him. I love him. He's awesome. Number two. But, but he's not number two. two. And and here's the thing. One was a clean sweep. And then oh, we had an even split. There were six people on the on like the voting panel, right? And three of them had Semyon at two. Three of them had Semyon at three. And then the votes were split the other way. Here was the breakdown for our number two guy. I had him three. You had him two. Aram had him two. Ryan Finkelstein had him two. Leo had him three. Colby had him three. So you, Aram, and Fink align. Smart guys. Yeah. Number two is Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros. And Altuve, thank God, is going to be an Astro for life. He's going to go into Cooperstown with an Astros hat on. He will not have that weird Michael Jordan Wizards, Scotty Pippen Blazers year on baseball reference where it's like, this guy was a trailblazer. He's an Astro, five for 125, not even a news story. That's the thing. Like everybody expected it. And you've got that extension coming for a guy that's going to hit until he hangs it up. Last year, in his age 33 season, 311 with a 522 slug. A 154 WRC plus. And despite being a bad defensive second baseman by the advanced metrics, still put up a four win season. Altuve, I understand why you went to, and that was one that I tossed and turned about. I ended up going semi in, and I don't hate that my half was overruled. Yeah, I think you could make the argument that right now, right, if we're projecting for 2024, Marcus Semien is a more well-rounded baseball player. But Marcus Semien cannot hit like Jose Altuve can hit. I'm going to run you through the OPS over the last couple of seasons since 2016. It's been a minute. 927 OPS in 2016. 957 in 2017. 837 in 2018. He did hit 316 that year, but the power was a little bit down. That's what led to a little bit of a drop in OPS. Right back to it in 2019 with a 903 OPS. 2021, right? If we just exclude 2020, 839. And he comes in 2022, 920, 
But in 2023, 915, I'm getting giddy reading these. Because say what you want about the buzzers. I mean, first of all, there hasn't been any evidence like there was yeah, no proof was that there was a buzzer. Yeah. There was no proof. I, at the time, like, yeah, I was upset. I was upset for a couple of years. I'm over it. I am just witnessing greatness. And that is Jose Altuve. And I don't give a shit if he sits down crisscross applesauce and doesn't field one ground ball. The bat's the bat. 154 WRC plus last year. I'm good. Yeah, just keep hitting. And I'm so glad he's going to be an Astro for life. He's going to go into Cooperstown, I think, as a first ballot Hall of Famer. But then again, you could never project what these Hall of Fame voters are going to do. I see no reason why I shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Power was a little bit down last year, but he still only had 410 plate appearances. I don't care. The bat is the bat. And number two. But I, I, the more I look at the numbers, the numbers tell me Semyon. Yeah. It's Altuve, though. Yeah, and I think I we it. all know it. Trust we me, all know I get it. it. But like, you look at any number, and one is clear as day. There's a reason that there was a clean sweep at one. This guy's like, he's. It was so boring because he was just a wild card that was thrown right into this. It's like, oh, this guy's going to play second base for them. I guess he's the number one second baseman. Ugh. It's like Tatis, the- but if you elevate, and it's like, oh well, like everybody just moves back a spot. The number one second baseman in baseball, whatever position you put it at, it does not, not matter, is Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. 39 home runs last year. <laughs> 39. He had more home runs than Luis Robert. He he was like seventh in home runs. Mookie Betts should not be seventh in home runs, but he is consistently. 14 bags, a 167 WRC plus, 67% above league average. And if we look at war totals, he basically had the same season as Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, do the war thing. What was the war thing? 8.3 F war. We're talking about Altuve in the first ballot Hall of Fame. I want to meet the person who doesn't vote for Mookie Betts first ballot. I mean, there's going to be four of them. They're going to say, well, he switched teams. <laughs> He switched teams. Mookie Betts, man. Red Sox fans, I'm sorry. And I know I, <laughs> maybe I didn't need to bring it up. Maybe I didn't. Maybe you didn't need to hear it. But, um, yeah, you traded him. He nice, fits nice the job. L.A. vibe so well. We know that. <laughs> Come on, man. With, just... with the pod and, and the shades inside while recording the pod. Like, he is he's L.A. And this makes sense. And it's going to be the burn of a million suns on Red Sox fans faces when he does go in wearing that Dodger hat. But at the end of the day, like the Dodgers are the one that gave him about $400 million. So you got to be okay with it. You have to be okay with it. And the reason I say, and I've been saying this for years that I think he is arguably the best player in major league baseball is that find me a guy who can play second base, can play shortstop, can play the outfield all at elite levels while being one of the more premier power bats in baseball, while hitting 300, while being an incredible base runner. I don't know if he can, right? Otani, Otani could probably do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't even count Otani because he's like not fair. He's so okay, Then nobody else. That... Yeah, literally. So it's like, if we're talking about baseball player, right? There's guys who put up gaudier numbers. But Ronald Acuna Jr. is not, you can't put Acuna at second. You can barely put him in right field if you so, look at the numbers. So let me just say this, and like I'll take all the heat. Um, I think the only guy that sniffs Mookie, and I, I don't think he's at that level. I think the only guy that sniffs Mookie at this point is Fernando Tatis Jr. 
Like he's the only one. Talking about all around talent. All around. Yeah, like no, I mean when it comes to ball player, like how you're defining it right now. Because I do, if I were putting together a top 100 player list, Acuna would be above Mookie Betts because what Acuna does is when you steal. Yeah, when you go 40, 70, like (laughs) yeah, like there's no arguing that. But but in terms of hey, I can hit 300. Hey, I can hit 40 homers. You know, hey, I can swipe 20 bags and I can play shortstop, second base, in the outfield all at a high level. I think the only guy that can sniff that 100th percentile is Tatis outside of Mookie Betts. I agree. Um, I mean, Judge is up there, but we don't have Judge to Judge can't play this. short. Like, Tatis yeah. can play short. You can he? Yeah, Tatis can play short. <laughs> I don't care what the, I don't care what Fangraph says. Tatis can play shortstop. Oh, so now you don't care what Fangraph says. No, I, I'm just kidding. Um, the one thing, the one bugaboo, and people are going to chirp. I can already see the comments. We got to have a better postseason this year, Mookie. We got it. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, it was embarrassing. And I love Mookie. I, I wish I was at my apartment for all those watching on YouTube. I have Mookie Betts a painting in the back of my I, He's one of my favorite players I've ever seen. He's in my top five favorite athletes ever. So to watch him struggle like that in the playoffs, it's like I can't. I, I'm at a loss for words. He's just too good for that to happen to him, and he just can't let it happen again because you don't want the narrative surrounding your career about that. And I think he's going to have a good postseason once the Dodgers, I think, make the, make the playoffs. They should, right? Dodgers are pretty good. I think so. Um, yeah. Mookie Betts at this point has a higher career war than Willie McCovey, Chase Utley, Dave Winfield, Billy Williams, Bob Feller, Juan Marichal, Andrew Jones, Mark McGuire, Todd Helton, who just got in. Man. He could go down as a top 25 player of all time. That's that's lofty. You just read the numbers. He's 31 years old. He's a year older than Yeah, but he's 144th in war right now. Yeah, I mean, if he plays seven more years and... Three of those are seven-win seasons. There, and... there are 32 100-win players. He needs to accumulate 35 war. In seven years? It's five a year? Jeez. Yeah, he could do that. A hundred percent. He might play nine more years. He might play until he's 40. Yeah, but will he, like, will he be accumulating like that? Still probably figure out to be a three-win player at like 38, 39. Yeah. All right. That's, list. That's, that's the top 10 second base list and a Walker Bueller and a Gary Sanchez breakdown and <laughs> casino talk. That's why and I, DMV talk. Don't forget about the DMV talk. That was my favorite part. I'm trying to forget about the DMV talk. Oh, I like we that. Hope, we <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode of the Just Baseball Show. It is Friday, so we hope everybody has a good weekend. And if you find a little time in your weekend to leave a five-star review, We'd really, really appreciate it, whether it's on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that big red subscribe button. Come on. It's free. Hit the big red subscribe button. Comment what your top 10 second base list would look like. And were we wrong? Were we right? How right was I? How wrong was Jack? Let us know in the comments section below. And get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the polo. Of course, Jack is not rocking Just Baseball merch. Again, hates the company. I I don't know what to tell him. But I'm always rocking Just Baseball merch, and you should too. Find that in the episode description. Hopefully, everybody, again, has a great weekend. For Jack McMullen, I am Peter Apple. And with that, thank you.